Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Jacksonville, Florida. Welcome to the show, Chris Funk. Thank you for having me. Great to have you here, Chris. We've had some of your business partners on the show before, but wanted to catch up a little bit on what's happening in your world. Before we do, why don't you give us a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey? Sure. So our journey started back in 2009, right after the big crash. We were buying foreclosed homes at the auction, renovating those homes, leasing them. We were holding a lot for our own portfolio and then ultimately started selling off bulk tranches to the big guys. Everybody's heard of Invitation Homes, American Homes for Rent, and then to some of our, our smaller investor clients as well. Ultimately, we built a great portfolio and sold a lot of properties, but the inventory started to go away on us. So we started to run out of homes that were coming up to auction and the properties that were arriving at auction were going for much higher prices. So ultimately, we got into development and building for rent. As those prices rose, it became apparent that the expense ratios that we were able to absorb on a less expensive foreclosed home were not achievable as that home price went up. The expense ratio stayed the same, but the price of the home went up so much more. So we realized that we needed to fix that problem. And we were able to fix that problem through build to rent. We were able to design homes that were built with tenants in mind, granite countertops, vinyl plank floors, stainless appliances, all the things that tenants want, but all the things as landlords that we want to make sure that we're keeping our maintenance costs down and, and keeping our turn costs down when that event should arise. And ultimately, that turned out to be a really great strategy for us because it was a lot more scalable than the REO to rent. In the REO space, every house is different. So you are literally having to go in and figure out what you're going to do with every single product individually. Whereas with the build for rent, we can decide the areas that we want to build in or we can develop lots in the areas that we want to build in. And we build exactly what we want, where we want it. It really it makes it possible for us to go out with four or five plans that we know the tenants love and build those over and over again. Of course, the beauty of that, especially in a hot market as we've had over the last four or five years, is you're not competing with anyone for deals. You get to manufacture those deals out of an idea, out of your own mind, where the demand is materialized and you say, this would work right here. And you're able to buy the land, presumably at the right price. Exactly. And that's, that's obviously the rub there is making sure we can buy the land at the right price. We were fortunate we started Build to Rent before everything really caught back on fire. So we were able to pick up a lot of land position in these areas where, where it was still a little bit distressed. Today, it's getting harder to pick up those good land deals as the market is on fire. Just like before, you don't need to bat 100%. You pick up 10% of the deals that you look at, you got plenty of opportunity out there. Absolutely. So you're obviously using residual land value analysis, just like most developers do. Is there a particular signature that you're looking for in terms of land price, in terms of demographics, in terms of employment and growth? What are you looking for? Yeah, employment and growth are really the biggest factors that we look at. And then we back into all the other factors. So we want to be in markets that are growing and that have population moving to them. Obviously, we're putting a, a lot of units on the ground in these markets, so there needs to be new population to absorb those. Most of Florida, which is our largest area of product, is growing. And then also Atlanta. So we currently build in Atlanta, Jacksonville, Palm Coast, Ocala, Cape Coral, Fort Myers. All of those markets are growing at extremely rapid paces, and that really is our main factor. Then beyond that, we start looking you know, at, at more of a micro level of the actual site. 
what is the median household income in that area? We know what it costs us to build in each one of those markets. So we're looking from that standpoint to make sure we're backing into, can the average person within a three mile radius of this property afford the rent that we're going to have to charge to make our numbers work? And if the answer to that is yes, then we're going to start looking at rent comps and make sure that other people are charging that much rent. But we want to make sure that everywhere we build, that we're building for the widest swath of population possible to make sure that our units are going to be absorbed quickly as we build them. I'm a little bit intrigued by Cape Coral. Let's talk about that for a moment, because when I think about Cape Coral, I think about this man-made, I don't know if it's brilliantly conceived or ill-conceived community that has all of these waterfront man-made canals. There's almost no amenities. They just thought about a bedroom community. If you want to go to a restaurant, you've got to drive quite a distance. And there's, like I said, almost no amenities. How does a townhouse product, how does a rental product fit within a community like Cape Coral? Sure. So there's, in my mind, there's really two different Cape Corals. There's North Cape Coral, which is north of Pine Island, and there's South Cape Coral. Pine Island Drive itself has really grown up over the years and added a lot of those amenities, really just in the last couple of years. South of Pine Island is pretty developed, and there's some good restaurants, and you kind of get really close to Fort Myers when you hit South Cape Coral, and lots of amenities, and it's more of a hip spot to be. A lot of our clients are looking for, when I say clients, a lot of our tenants are looking for that space that they can get where maybe the rent is just slightly less and they're willing to drive that extra five minutes to go out to dinner. And that's really what they're looking for. And Cape Coral, it is a beast of a market to to get your arms wrapped around because they the rents do vary widely from area to area. And then in addition to that, they've got a lot of different things going on from a zoning and utility perspective that you really have to keep your eye on because it's changing. They're trying to handle the growth that they're seeing. So I guess the one way to put it is they're building the bicycle as they're riding it. And so far they're doing a, they're doing a pretty good job, but the officials in Cape Coral really have their finger on the pulse of what they need. And they're not lost on the things that they're missing. It's a fun market to be in. Fascinating. So what has 2020 taught you about this particular business? It's disrupted many businesses. How has it affected your business? Like everybody, in March and April, we were absolutely terrified. And then from there on, really pleasantly surprised. We found that our tenant base was very resilient. So we did lots of studies on our tenants. Where were they employed across the board? And we had approximately 15% of our tenant base was in service industries. And we found that even those folks that were in the service industries, a lot of them were able to figure out ways to still pay their rent. Obviously, the government assistance helped a lot, but there were still people going out, finding other jobs and and figuring out ways to get by. People were resourceful. And so I, I was shocked at the low level of delinquency that we had through that time period and that we still have. We're now able to actually, for some of the folks, and there was a small population of folks that created the vast majority of the the delinquency. So while we only had a couple percent of our tenant base that was delinquent, they were delinquent for four months. For the properties that impacted, that was damaging. The positive side being that it was such a small number of properties that for most of our investors that have large portfolios, it wasn't enough of of a delinquency problem to really affect their overall portfolio. It just affected that performance of that one individual unit you know, which of course you're going to absorb some, you're going to have some vacancy in your pro form anyway. And the other properties that were not experiencing those sort of problems, we saw significant rent increases during that time period. 
and significant increases in occupancy during that time period. So for our landlord clients and our personal portfolio, we actually saw a net positive there through the COVID crisis and still today. From a business and sales perspective, our volume has, has tripled since March. The interest rates are phenomenally low. With all of our products, people are able to, to achieve the tax benefits through cost segregation and regular depreciation. That's a normal thing, but these interest rates have really put everything into hyperspeed because people want to lock in that long-term interest rate and really hedge against the inflationary risk that is out there related to all of the government spending that's happening. So let's talk a little bit about what the ideal product is, is you're designing new buildings, new properties today. What are some of the features that you're designing in that are that this market is looking for right now? We have started upgrading some of our plans due to what's happening out there in, in the world as it relates to COVID. Our plans were always designed to fix all the problems that we had when we were doing REO to rent, when we were trying to renovate these old properties for cash flow. We fixed the carpet problem. Carpet was our biggest turnover cost. So none of our properties are built with carpet. Everything has vinyl plank floor throughout the home in every single room. The tenants love it. It looks fantastic. And it's extremely durable. We do granite countertops and undermount sinks in all of the kitchens and bathrooms. This is, again, very durable, but it's also beautiful from, from a tenant perspective. So it really helps with the lease up process. We also do either block homes or cement board. So if we're in a market that is a frame built market, we're doing a hardy board, a cementous board on the exterior of the homes. And or if we're in a market that's primarily block, then we're building with block. We really tried to get rid of all that deferred maintenance that we saw with these REO properties that, that we were buying over the years that had the T111 siding that was always rotting. And we tried to eliminate all of those issues. So since COVID, one of the things that we got a lot of requests from our tenants for was more outdoor living space. Over the last few months, we've been revamping some of our plans to provide that outdoor living, some sort of patio for the tenants. Costs us a little bit more. It costs a little bit more to put that outdoor space on these units. However, we heard that request so much that we determined that we're going to get some sort of rental premium for having that outdoor that outdoor living. And as people continue to work from home, that's something that is, is important. They need a little space to get away and be able to see some green space. And are you retrofitting any of those outdoor living spaces on existing properties? We are not. That becomes a lot more expensive to go in after the fact and do that. Obviously, we would if any of our clients requested that of us. But coming in and putting something on after the fact, is not nearly as cost-effective as doing it when we're building the initial project. Of course. Let's talk a little bit about your investor base. Is there a particular product category that they're asking for? We build everything from townhomes, single-family homes, duplexes, triplexes, quadruplexes, and small multifamily, up to 15plex. The 15plex units are a relatively new product for us. Our clients really enjoy a mixture of that product. Single-family homes have a slightly lower cash on cash return than our multifamily product. So for a investor that's looking just strictly at cash on cash return, they're going to lean more towards a duplex or a quadruplex. For our clients that, that are interested in appreciation, they're going to more look towards a single family home. And we're not out here preaching appreciation. That's not what I look for in my investments. I look for cash flow. But if I can get cash flow and get in the way of appreciation, 
and and hope that comes my direction. That is our goal, but we don't count on that appreciation. But we do find that in single family homes, that the single family has more likelihood of a market-based appreciation based on customer sentiment, meaning home buyer sentiment, as opposed to our multifamily product, which is going to increase in value, but it's going to increase in value at the pace in which the rents increase for that particular property. Well, presumably the investor that's purchased a single family home for rental realizes that they do have multiple exit strategies. They can sell to another investor, but they can also sell to an owner-occupant who might replace the vinyl plank flooring with ceramic or hardwood and make that their own personal family residence as another exit strategy. Exactly. It gives you one additional exit strategy, gives you a little bit more appreciation potential. A lot of our investors like to have a combination of both because you're still getting you're still getting a great cash on cash return on those single family homes. It's just not as high as our multifamily. So, you know, we see a lot of folks buying both asset types, boosting up their overall yield with the multifamily and getting in the way of that appreciation with the single family homes. Fantastic. Well, Chris, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Sure. Just go to southernimpressionhomes.com. And you can see some of the projects that we have and you can feel free to give us a call at the at on there, which is 904-517-5939. Fantastic. Well, Chris, thank you so much for the insights and for the listeners at home. Definitely connect with Chris at southernimpressionhomes.com. In the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.